0: presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How Stuff Works Now. I'm your host Lauren Vogelbaum, a researcher and writer here at How Stuff Works. Every week, I'm bringing you three stories from our team about the weird and wondrous advances we've seen in science, technology, and culture. This week, a company has proposed a new-ish twist on the fountain of youth, transfusing the aging with the blood of the young. Unrelated, researchers think they've found all existing vertebrates' oldest common ancestor, and it's basically a tiny bag of teeth with no anus. But first, senior writer Robert Lamb explores the strange world of crustacean bioweapons. A species of boxer crab seems to purposefully clone the sea anemones that they use like clubs. Not like social clubs. Clubs as in truncheons, nightsticks, bludgeons, jimmy sticks, billy clubs...
2: Barely two centimeters wide and textured like scrumptious tempura, the Libya leptochilus boxer crab would seem rather ill-suited for survival, and that's why they wield a pair of sea anemone cudgels. But where do they snag these fancy bioweapons? Well, Barilan University graduate students Yisrael Schnitzer and Yaniv Giman had the same question, and investigated the matter for a new study published in the journal Pure J. The researchers collected boxer crabs from the south shore of the Red Sea in Eilat, Israel, and identified the weaponized anemones as belonging to the genus Elysia, likely a newly recorded species. But when they looked around for wild examples of the Elysia sea anemones, nothing turned up. If wild, unclaimed weapons are scarce, then how's a boxer crab supposed to arm up? Theft, of course. Just as an unarmed Bruce Lee might swipe a pair of nunchucks from an adversary, so too does an unarmed boxer crab wrestle an anemone away from one of its fellow tool users. And then things get even more amazing. As Schnitzer and Geeman discovered in a pair of experiments, a one-weapon boxer crab will split its remaining anemone into two fragments. The resulting fragments then regenerate over the course of several days into two distinct clones. Let's see Bruce Lee do that. Schnitzer and Geeman are no strangers to the mystery of crab boxing. The two biologists previously worked on a 2013 study published in the Journal of Experimental Marine Biology and Ecology, which revealed the boxer crab's bonsai-like treatment of their claw-clutch bioweapons. They use them to catch food and defend themselves, but they also starve the anemone enough to regulate the size. Now, the researchers' latest study reveals the crab's manipulation goes well beyond mere symbiont tool use. Molecular fingerprinting of anemone an pairs taken from wild crabs revealed even more identical clone weapons, suggesting the practice is widespread among the boxer crabs. Given the apparent absence of wild Elysia sea anemones and the boxer crabs' talent for inducing clonal reproduction, we're left with a tantalizing question. Are there any free-living Elysia left, or does the species continue on as a purely cultivated weapon species? This situation would not be unlike the domesticated fungi of leafcutter ants. Schnitzer admits that the cultivation explanation is possible. The Elysia sea anemone could now be extinct in the wild or might live elsewhere, a remote species brought into a lot by a founding father crab. However, Schnitzer believes that the Elysia anemones probably do exist in the wild, but are rare. In this experiment, every crab the researchers found in the wild held clones, supporting the theft and splitting behavior they saw in the lab. And uh, there were a very limited number of halotypes, and this was established with genetic fingerprinting analysis. These clues gave credence to the assumption that most of the alicia reproduction is asexual, but not quite all of it. Regardless, the researchers' findings provide us with a seemingly unique example of one animal inducing the asexual reproduction of another. And for tool use, humans may claim the honors uh, to bioweapon supremacy for the moment, but the boxer crabs are ready to claim the prize just as soon as we wipe ourselves out with a misguided plague virus or two.
0: Next up, staff editor Christopher Hasiotis and our freelance writer Chris Opfer bring us the story of a proposed anti-aging treatment that should absolutely be accompanied by an image of The Simpsons' Mr. Burns, elective blood transfusions from younger donors.
1: Most people aren't all that excited about growing old. The anti-aging industry could bring in as much as $300 billion annually in the next few years as people carve out their bank accounts sift through their wallets, and shake out the couch cushions like some sort of modern-day Ponce de Leon. That's a lot of cash spent on Botox, hair plugs, chemical peels, and testosterone treatments, among other get-young-quick options. And soon, some age-avoiders may even fill their own fountains of youth with the blood of the young. Ambrosia is a California-based startup company that aims to help people retain a youthful glow by pumping them full of young blood plasma. The project is still in a clinical trial stage, but Ambrosia points to testing results that it says show new young blood may help reverse some of the physical and mental wear and tear that comes with aging. Now, transfusing the blood of the young isn't a new idea. Indeed, it dates back to before any successful transfusions ever took place. As Andreas Libavius, a 16th century German doctor, reportedly said, The hot and spirituous blood of the young man will pour into the old one as if it were from a fountain of youth, and all of his weakness will be dispelled. That was right around the time of the first successful blood transfusion in 1665, when an English researcher transferred blood between dogs. Blood transfusions have long been used to help accident victims and others who lose a lot of their own blood, but Ambrosia believes swapping in new juice from younger donors, aged about 16 to 25, could also be helpful once... And if the company gets up and running, it'll cost you about $8,000 to find out if they're right. Among other research, Ambrosia points to a 2014 study finding that older mice transfused with the blood of younger mice saw improvements in their cognitive functioning. And scientists in a separate study two years earlier found that a cocktail of young blood also helped old mice rejuvenate their central nervous systems. What we don't know is how much cheddar of their own the little critters had to fork over. So how close are we to a Mad Max feature in which you and I are just blood bags for the super rich? Well, stick around a few decades longer and maybe we'll find out.
0: Finally this week, staff editor Eves Jeffcoat has one for us that Christopher wrote about the discovery of what may be humanity's oldest known ancestor. And it's a tiny Sarlacc. The
3: next time someone calls you a microscopic bag of teeth and goo, don't get offended. Take a deep breath and respond. I'm sorry. I think you must have mistaken me for someone else. I believe you're referring to my great, 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 great. And keep repeating that for a few hours as you flip back the pages of the family album 540 million years or so. Scientists have identified what may be the earliest verifiable ancestor of humankind. Using electron microscopes and CT scan technology to analyze tiny fossils, researchers out of China, the U.K., and Germany point to Saccharitis coronarius as the common ancestor of a group of organisms known as deuterostomes. Their findings were recently published in a letter in the
0: journal Nature. Okay. The overuse and use of medical services is a global healthcare crisis that the medical industry is desperately trying to remedy, as described in a series of papers published by The Lancet in January of 2017. These problems are happening around the world, with both overuse and underuse often occurring side by side throughout various economies, with both leading to.
3: Saccharitis likely lived between grains of sand on the seafloor and was at most 0.05 inches or 1.2 millimeters. The researchers had to process tons of limestone to get to the fossils, which were found in the Shaanxi province of central China. Members of the same research team have been studying deuterostomes for some time, and in 2009 identified the region as rich in deuterostome fossils. The analysis of saccharitis fossils shows a dominant pleated mouth, a skin-like covering with numerous openings, and small conical structures on a symmetrical body that could have allowed water to escape, perhaps acting as a precursor to modern gills. The researchers believe this newfound organism is a common ancestor of all deuterostomes and the beginning of a diverse evolutionary lineage that includes humans. Interestingly enough, this early proto-ancestor showed no evidence of having an anus. That means waste would have had to exit through its mouth, a pretty unappealing method of excretion.
0: That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in further thanks to our audio producer, Dylan Fagan, and our editorial liaison, Allison Loudermilk. Subscribe to Now Now for more of the latest science news, and send us links to anything you'd like to hear us cover, plus a food that you're curious to know the history or science behind. We just greenlit a new podcast called Food Stuff, hosted by Annie Reese and your humble narrator. You can send us an email at nowpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And, of course, for lots more stories like these, head on over to our home planet, now.howstuffworks.com.